Okay, our speaker today is Jezebella from the punk group. Um, and she has agreed to come in and share with us. So it is all you, darling. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so um, last minute, less than an hour and a half ago, uh, someone who is being of great service in their recovery uh, prompted me and said, hey, can you speak here? I said, sure. It's been a long time since I've been in a room of this nature with such liberty. And um, yes, I sense it already. Liberty is the word. Freedom. Um, and a sense of knowing that uh, thinking outside of a social structured box really is a beautiful thing in my mind. I'm going to say some things. And some of those things may be triggering. Um, I'm going to say, don't leave the room. Let us know you're okay. I'm going to say some things. Um, um, if I were listening to me outside, I think to myself, okay, I'm listening outside. I'm a recovered person. I'm going to take what I need and I'm going to leave. Right. And that's probably one of the most important things I've learned in any pathway of recovery, any room. I don't care what room it is, uh, a 12-step based uh, a, a, a dharma, a, a refuge. It doesn't matter. Take what you need, leave what you don't. I will definitely not be speaking for an hour. And that is because I want to hear from other people. Because I can't keep what I have if I don't give it away. And I also in turn believe that if I don't have... Uh, the input of other recovered people, I can't keep what I have, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's very important to me. I take it a little bit seriously. I'm going to swear. And this is my philosophy. Speak from your gut, bring it to your heart, let it come out of your mouth, let your mind process it afterwards. This is how I try to live each day. Patience and tolerance for myself, and then I can have it for others. So, my name is Jezebel Marie Petspo. It's very French. My last name in English is Petipa. I don't mind saying that. I do not uh, adhere to the constructs of anonymity. I believe that it's mine to remove from what I've learned, and I never really was anonymous, neither was any recovery person I knew, not even Bill and Bob from the 12 Steps, for how would we know of them? Hmm, interesting perception. So, um, I was born in Victoria, Canada, West Side. My father's a naval officer, my mother is a humanitarian. I stayed there till I was eight years old. I was not raised with television or any type of electronics. I was born in 80, so it was a little bit different. Maybe a lot of you might relate to that kind of, um, well, freedom. <laughs> Absolute pure freedom. Um, I'm not going to explain too many details. I'm going to go along really quickly. At six years old, I had a half-brother that was nine years older than me. I experienced sexual um, mental, physical, and psychological abuse uh, starting at the age of six. I also jumped off a roof when I was age seven. Um, uh, apparently, I started having mental disorders that were um, um, coming up, and I was 
um, experiencing hallucinations and whatnot. Um, so at a very young age, in a very closed off small town in British Columbia, Canada, I started experiencing judgment and stigma from the medical world and pretty much every person around me, including my own family. That was my first like um, impression of the world, right? They will judge you. They will stigma. They will call you names. They will hurt you. They, all these uh, things. So my FFF fight, flight, or freeze response was activated very, very young due to trauma, right? Um, I was born with a neurological concurrent disorder, and that's what was determined later in life. Moving on. Um, it's very important to talk about these things. You know, like in most recovery rooms, you're like, don't, you, you know, that's an outside issue. Fuck you, outside issue. I am the inside issue of outside of everything that affects me and my recovery. It doesn't make any sense to me. It never did. It never did. I understand we're not psychologists or this or that or professionals or the other thing. And I definitely would encourage people to seek that type of additional support and healing, not outside issues, right? This is my personal opinion. I'm very, very convicted in how I feel today in my recovery, but it wasn't always so. So anyways, I'm a young girl. I'm being abused, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful world, yada, yada. Then we moved to Europe. Oh, yay. Isn't that interesting? I have no social connections. I have a mental disorder. I have an older brother that's abusing me and other people outside of my family. Um, I'm also experiencing corporal punishment from my father. You can Google that. I'm not going to go into detail, but it's a lot different than just getting hit with a belt or punched in the face. Let me tell you, it is psychological. It's brainwashing. It's what the military used to do to their soldiers to train them, to break them down and rebuild them. My father's a lieutenant commander in the Canadian Naval Forces of Engineering and Architecture. Need I say more? I say that it's very stern and it still scares me when I say it out loud because my father had an alcoholic father that beat him. My father didn't beat me. He did what was good enough for the military, was good enough for his children. We have since made amends. All right. So moving along, my childhood was... Uh, very creative, interesting. I could build anything. I could do anything. I could create my own world. I particularly was drawn to animals because I could tell animals my story and they would listen to me. They would listen to me. Humans were not. So I lived in England. I lived in Germany. I lived in a couple places in Europe. Yes. Okay. It's wonderful. You get to experience history. Yada, yada. Great. I did not have any friendship connections. The closest person to me was my little brother. A lot of places we went, they did not speak English, had to learn a lot of different things, right? It's very, very hard during that instrumental time in your life when you're age 10 to about 14, and you should, you know, be making strong connections and having interpersonal relationships and learning about all those coping mechanisms and notion, you know, notions of social interaction, I suppose. Well, from what I've read. Um, <laughs> and what I'm experiencing today as well. Um, it's, it's not so because human beings are not cookie cutters. We're not one size fits all. That's really hard. So I was very uh, discriminated and, and I feel very stigmatized, um, in the medical world as well as I had no idea when I took my first lick on New Year's Eve of 92, when I was 12 years old, that I would be drawn to self-medication due to what I believe to be trauma 
And also there is the scientific parts of being 50% predisposed to alcoholism and or concurrent disorders through our genealogy. That is a fact, right? There's a logics, right? I didn't know any of these things. So let's move along. I've got really bad social skills. I'm, I'm having a really hard time in school. I excel in some things. I fail in others. Um, I'm hyperactive. I have been diagnosed with several different labels. Notice I'm not telling you what I have. It's very important to me. It's very important for me to not label myself or stigmatize myself. I'm going to say this a couple of times. Here's the first time I'll say it. My name is Jezebel. I am a person that lives gratefully well with substance abuse disorder and concurrent disorders. I am a survivor. Moving on. When I came back to Canada, I had this ability to just automatically become a social chameleon. Um, that was my coping mechanisms, and I had learned them from a very young age. Right? People pleasing. I was a groomed child. Um, that's hard. That's hard to say out loud. I was a groomed child. poor little girl so in my teenagehood I was very codependent I experienced a lot of abuse from males I sought out relationships uh, that uh, were conducive of that type of coping mechanisms and behaviors it was horrible I don't want to talk about it <laughs> but I will touch on a few things I married at 19 stayed eight years with a man 13 years older than me groomed um, my addiction grew day by day. It went a little something like this, 96, 1996, 1999, and 2001, one, two, three. My first boyfriend hung himself in a tree and left me a note. The second one, I was in a car accident on my prom night and my boyfriend died. And the third was my brother. We were drunk and high in a stolen car, and I saw him get electrocuted to death at 17. Trauma, 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 trauma. I'm now 21 years old, married to an abusive man. I'm just a little girl, <laughs> and I have no idea I'm an addict at all. I don't know what alcoholism is. I don't know uh, what disease is. I know nothing. I've been in and out of the system, and I've been told that I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I'm sure there were some compassionate people throughout that. In fact, I can remember a few. I left home at 13 in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. And uh, I survived with all those types of coping mechanisms I just shared with you right now, which I'm sure many of you can relate to. Um, because our stories are all different. But our feelings are innately the same. That's one thing that I've learned um, by um, trying to explore all pathways. So I'll go a little bit into detail. You know, I married a very bad affiliated person. I was very abused. Um, 
I went on to have very bad manipulative patterns. And every two or three years, I would hook up with a drug dealer. My addiction was very progressive. 10 years alcoholism, dabbling in hardcore drugs. Um, The next decade, the second decade was hardcore drugs. Um, I worked many manageable jobs and did what people call manageable recovery for a very long time. I've been in and out of several rehabs. I lost count at 20. You know, my story is this one time at rehab. Um, and uh, I can laugh at that now. Um, I've been, you know, I'm 42 years old and I have spent 14 years of that in and out of living institutions and correctional facilities, federal prisons. Um, you know, it, it, and it's great because in recovery, it's kind of cool because I know I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm a ping pong ball, but go with me here. Um, gut to heart to mouth. Don't think, right? My best thinking fucking sucks. Um, but uh, anyways, what was really interesting is it did start to ruin my using. Okay, so now let's get into the, the meat and potatoes what I like to call the meat and potatoes. So like I said, I haven't really told you a lot of details of any of those stories because the stories don't matter. I just said that. Um, The feelings do. So I felt all those horrible things alone, no self-esteem, rock bottom, no foundation. What the fuck? Started getting arrested, spending time in jail. Every time I go to recovery, it would ruin my using. I'd be out on another relapse and I'd be like, what the fuck? you know, like, what the fuck, (laughs) you know, and, um, there's no one time or, you know, this innate moment, there's a few moments like that, but when I first came into the 12-step programs, I stayed out for 10 years, I came in at 26, and I didn't get any form of recovery, I will say, until I was 36, 26, that's 10 years, So in those 10 years, I did an awful lot of research. And this is what I learned. I don't like the word God. I don't like anything congregated. I don't suit well in groups that are not in some way on another level connected. But I didn't know how to get to that, that, aha, I got this, right? So I had tried. I had tried. Let me tell you, okay? So here I am. I'm 36 years old. I've moved to a small town. I'm doing the very best I can just one day at a time with what I got, right? And all I had back then was the 12 steps. So I started going to AA meetings and I hated it for a fucking year. A year and one week to be exact, seven days. This is how long I hated it. I've been going in and out for 11 years at this point. Hated it. And I've tried to be open-minded and do all those things that they say to do. And I stayed and I went every week on Wednesday and it occurred to me, oh my God, I fucking stay. It's one, one, one week, one year and one week. And I'm sitting there every time I would go, I would bring a notepad and I'd write down three things I'm grateful for because that's all I could do. That's how sick I was right. Very angry. I told the guy at the door of the first meeting, don't fucking touch me and fuck off. You know, he said, welcome, you're not alone. Poor guy. He's my friend now. His name's John B. He's really cool. Yeah, he likes the Green Bay Packers, stupid Canadian. Anyways, um, um, 
So I was sitting there and this guy, it was a 15 minute share meeting. This dude stood up and he had long gray silver hair down his back and he had a full beard and he had uh, Velcro patches all over him with different sayings, but not AA sayings like just one day at a fucking time and his own stuff. Peace be serenity if serenity be peace within you. Things like that. And I was like, who the fuck is this dude? He goes up and in a very nice, quiet voice, he says simply a couple of things. I spent 37 years in the military. That struck my interest right away. And I was an addictions counselor and I was a fraud. <gasps> Whoa, now I'm listening. So he talks for five minutes, shares about all that stuff. And then, and I'm like, this is really cool. Like, and then he says, you know, it's really interesting how everybody works their own recovery. He says, there's a young lady comes in here very often. And uh, she shares only three things every week, but she's been coming here every week for a year and a week. <gasps> Holy motherfucker. The minute he said that I knew someone gave a shit. I couldn't believe this man paid attention to me in a humble, caring, giving, supportive way, in a different way that I had not heard before. So, of course, I beelined for him in the parking lot after the meeting and asked him to be my sponsor. Rest is history on that. See, I couldn't do the female shit. And the first thing he said to me is, oh, well, you just take that word God and replace it with whatever the hell you want. I love you, man. He made it that simple for me. And then he's like, oh, he, they, them, put whatever the fuck you want. He's like, this is a life skills manual. It's only 162 pages. It's just a life skills manual. Let me show you some other shit. Taught me Dharma, taught me meditation. Said, go explore. He's like, you did every drug in the world, didn't you? He's like, when people ask you what's your drug of choice, what do you say? I go, all of them. He says, well, then. You should try every form of healing. No one ever, ever encouraged me, not even my own parental units, to be me. On top of that, he got to know me so well, he knew when I was manic. He knew. He, he would say to me, Jezebel, uh, you know, it's none of my business, but do you mind me asking you a supportive question? What? No one talks to me like that. I wanted what he had. I didn't know what it was, but I chased it. And here we are years later. And, you know, again, I could tell you so many crazy stories about me being, oh yeah, this one time in prison when we made wine. Well, who gives a shit? You know, that's not recovery to me. I see so many, <laughs> it's just a small example. Yes. Uh, there's healthy anger. There's healthy expression. There's every feeling is temporary. It's not a fact is what I've learned. See, when I'm feeling anger or, um, I'm feeling um, um, dismissive or I'm feeling combative or defensive. I, all I need to do is look within. And I've learned that from all different people in different pathways. They've taught me that. But the one person that did teach me the most is Matthew, my, my former sponsor. He's no longer my sponsor now, but he's definitely like a spiritual person in my life. And I can't say that spiritual guidance is not a part of my program for if it were not, 
I, I wouldn't see these signs and I read them so peacefully now. So I, I really don't care what other people think, but I just call God dog because it's dog backwards and it means doing only good. And the first being human entity or animal entity I ever told about my abuse that cared about me was Joseph, our foxhound crossbreed right behind the furnace in the basement of our house when my brother abused me. So I don't give a crap when anybody thinks to me, it's dog and dog is always doing good for me. And as long as I am doing good for things around me and I am open-minded and willing, and I am not judging and or stigmatizing anyone else, the answers will come to me. I believe, I believe I, I don't really know anything. This is what I believe through experience, mistakes, error, um, what some people like to call relapse. I don't call it relapse. I call it a reset. It's a fucking, you're hitting the reset button on yourself. You know, you don't know why you're really doing it, but you kind of figure out why after that's the whole point of the fucking reset. It's better than death. I look at it that way. You know, I'm alive, not dead. Just one day at a time, no matter fucking what. I'm going to go back to what I know works for me, back to the basics, even if that means just, you know, stupid, the, the, the acronyms from like early recovery, like HALT. If I'm hungry, I'm angry, or I'm lonely, or I'm tired. That's not from AA. That's from a recovery module that was written in the 1980s. So it's logic. And this is what I'm saying about the full circle of recovery. If you have hit a, a roadblock or a wall, as I did many times, I simply uh, implore you to not give up. Just for one day. Right? Just for today. Don't fucking give up. And if you don't like what that person said in CA, or you don't like what the old big book thumper in AA said, or, you know, that secular dude that said, anybody that believes in the universe is an asshole. You know, like, if you listen to all those people, where would you be using? So this is just my theory. Um, I didn't know what I was going to share. But I do know that me simply just sitting here telling you my life story doesn't seem too appealing to me. When I come in a room, I'm thinking my, my gut is telling me, what would I like to hear? I would like to hear something that will help me get to the next day. That's it. I just want to, and the only requirement in any, any room, even if you're a girl guide, is desire. <laughs> it, you know, it doesn't matter what, what group you're a part of or family you have or support you have or whatever uh, path you're at right now in this moment. It's true. We're not alone if we don't want to be. And I'll, I'll just leave you with, uh, you know, we're supposed to share, at least from what I've learned, we're supposed to share like what it was like. Well, it was horrible. It was horrific. It was like living um, in a horror film for three decades. And I love horror films in retrospect. <laughs> but I remember having this night terror for years because part of early recovery, um, for me anyway, and a lot of people experience this, is pause, which is post-acute withdrawal sy syndrome or, or symptoms, symptom, 
And a lot of that's night terrors. And for decades, I had the same night terror of me running up a turret, up a tower in a castle with winding stairs. And I'm being chased by every single monster. You know, the ones that live in my head as a child because of my psychosis, the ones that were created from um, post-traumatic stress, um, trauma, um, the times that I felt that it, I couldn't forgive myself for the abuse that was drawn upon me, um, for feeling flawed, for having disorders and being stigmatized in general. That's what was chasing me up that, those stairs. And it wasn't until two years in meeting that man and really um, being open-minded to everything, especially forgiving myself and understanding and seeking and searching that those night terrors stopped. It took that long. All my life, that was a place that I escaped subconsciously. And it doesn't mean anything. I, you know, you can go into dream interpretation. I don't, I don't give a crap. What it means to me is that I have done some form of healing to the extent that I am prepared to share, help others, and I am a worthy human being in this universe in this moment, just right now. I don't have to worry about the past because I look at it and I see I survived it. <laughs> it didn't make me who I am today. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I survived it. Therefore, it is impossible that I cannot share something that will help me or someone else perhaps to continue to survive. And that's all that matters. And so. Yes, I don't really have much more to share. I, I just wanted to, you know, that's what it was like. What it's like today is just like I'm sharing with you. I can laugh at certain things. It feels very peaceful and serene to sit here with you right now in this moment and share with my gnome cup of coffee and, and, and my, my fur babies. And my life is just... It's everything the five-year-old wanted to be when I picked up a crow and brought it home before anything happened to me. I am now a pet memorial taxidermist. I do museum pieces as well. I am a part-time counselor because I cannot do it full-time. It really takes a lot out of you. It does. so hard. And I also do um, delivery for senior citizens. <laughs> and in my spare time, I walk dogs. <laughs> And before I was a heathen, jumping from man to man, working just any job I could, just a horrible lifestyle, just homeless. I remember being homeless for a while, even in my sobriety. Um, you know, my house burnt down in the middle of the pandemic in my fourth year of sobriety. Can you believe it? But did I use? No, because of all the things I've shared with you here today and so many other things have happened. And I just look at it and I'm like, I'm only six years old in recovery. Um, but I feel like the rest of my life is going to be the best of my life. And it can too. So be yours as well. I'm telling you. So just don't give up. Try everything keep coming back and fucking stay with something that works with, with what you understand because you fucking deserve it. It's a, you know, ah, I don't know what else to say, but 
much patience, tolerance for self, love for all, just one fucking day at a time. Thank you for letting me share.